This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, is it game on or game off for the D? And is McGrath the man for United? Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street, episode number 202. Uh, George Cran in the hot seat this week, I'm afraid. Um, usual host Tom Duthie is off sunning himself somewhere else, living the life of a reti- retired football writer and um, sending us photos of beaches in the group chat, which is, I think is absolutely disgraceful behaviour, I have to admit. Just how gold-plated was his pension. <laughs> Honestly, unbelievable stuff. I think it's the wage he gets for this uh, magnificent <laughs> podcast, I think. Paying for his flights. I think he'd have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so folk are stuck with me in the the hot seat this week, but uh, bringing up the standard, you've already heard him, it's Alan Temple. Uh, hello. And also with us is Mr. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. So we'll start, I think, uh, with the team that had a midweek game or had in the past tense I think there was supposed to be a game at Dens Park it didn't happen I didn't even make it out of my car because I was a wee bit late thanks to a wee spot of car trouble uh, Were you bringing the referee to the ground as well George? <laughs> Sounds like it um, Called off at what the tweet came out I think at two or three minutes to seven um, After I admit I was through the day when the rain was I don't live in Dundee, so I wasn't entirely sure, but it never stopped raining all day at my bit near Errol. So I was a wee bit concerned that it might be called off. And then when the team lines didn't appear for Dundee, they usually appear about an hour and a quarter before kickoff, and there was nothing. And then suddenly I get a phone call just as I've parked up to say that the game had been called off. Um, Safe to say fans of both sides weren't happy, Bear. Yeah, because, I mean, you talk about Dunfermline fans are rightly so cause, because the majority of them obviously do travel um, to the game but I, I know a few Dundee fans who live well outside the city and I've, I've made yeah. the journey in and were actually in Dundee at that point in time when the game was called off and it's really in, in this day and age does a decision have to be left so late you could understand if there's a, a sudden downpour at, at 6 o'clock and catches yeah. everyone by surprise and, and the ground is flooded but there were issues during the day and you feel a decision should have been made much earlier. Now, there might have been circumstances that, you know, went towards it, you know, it being a late call-off. You mentioned the referee being late as well to the stadium, but even if the referee had turned up on time, there still would have been fans travelling to that game, yeah. you feel. So, yeah, again, it's it's the punter who, who pays the price, who has to pay for petrol and things like that. And hopefully, I mean, obviously anyone that was in the ground, I would imagine, will be refunded for, for the game this week. But, if you've travelled once, you might not be wanting to travel again. <laughs> and and I've got to say, anyone who has come from Dunfermline for a game that is actually on the TV as well, you know, deserves a huge pat yeah. on the back for actually making the effort to get to the game. So it's a real, it's a real sort of kick in the teeth for them and any Dundee fans who made it as well. So you know, it's it, it, it doesn't look good on everyone involved who, who makes these decisions. I think obviously they should have been made earlier. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. Um... Just looking at the weather, and obviously the the pitch. There's been a few issues. I I pointed out at the Arbroath game that 
the middle of the park where there's, there's been a problem in the past it seems to seem to have fixed it but it seems to have come back um, didn't look great in the Arbroath game and uh, it looks like from the pictures that's where the the main issue was um, can totally understand in terms of the referee being late and that making it challenging to make the call off official but there is also the fact that you can empower local Scottish FA referees to come along earlier yeah. to make the decision if you feel like there is likely to be a decision made that happens all the time. Um, if there's any doubt, yeah. Yeah, re referees rarely come from the area that they're refereeing a game in. So what tends to happen is if it's 10 a.m., for example, for a three o'clock kickoff, Scottish FA can empower a local referee to come along and do the pitch in inspection and they have the power to to call off the game. If, I, I don't know what the, the referee's circumstances was, what made him late, whatever, but come say whatever time they might have had doubts, because I refuse to believe they only started to have doubts after six o'clock, whatever time they might have had doubts, four, five, whatever, it, yeah, I think it would have been incumbent on them to try and maybe get a local referee along, you know, do something just to try and shave an hour off, yeah. shave an hour and a half off, because I find it hard to believe that during the course of the day, nobody said, yeah, we're, we're starting we're to have troubles here, yeah. maybe, maybe let's get a referee along to, to inspect, because... Yeah, that's a that's a minor inconvenience compared to the major inconvenience that a lot of supporters, mm -hmm. and as Bear rightly says, on both sides um, have had to have had to endure. And 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 the real victim, you know, Bear trying to scramble together something to fill his Dundee <laughs> page. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it was, it was me. Uh, somewhere. Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I was very panic stations. Very surprised George came up Trump's with Dundee story. So I like the fact I'm for doing that, and also our good friend and ex DCT colleague Neil Robertson as well, who mm -hmm. contributed to that. But we're talking about it uh, off air before we came on. Um, being a Dundee supporter for you know 50 years now. Dens was never a, a, a ground that suffered badly with flooding. It was always the case, even before the built, built the new stands behind each goal, that the main area of flooding at Dens was actually down towards the south enclosure, towards mm. where the Shankly stand is. Now, right in the corner, you would get pool of water uh, gathering there, especially if, if it had been torrential, a, a, a downpour over, a, over a, a short period. But the rest of the park would never suffer from flooding. But over the past 10, 15 years or so, there is an area... Um, just outside uh, the Shankly penalty box towards the main stand where you see water actually actually gathering. Um, and that has been a problem for them. And I, I don't know what the problem is. As you said, George, I think they, they tried to fix it, but it seems to have come back again. Yeah, they did seem to have fixed it. And it is a real issue now. You're, yeah. you're seeing it even, you know, even with sort of, you know, mild, mild rainfall, you're, you're seeing water gathering there. Now, remember a, a few years back, maybe you remember this as well, and Motherwell had a real problem on their park. Yeah. And it was actually like a sinkhole was actually forming on the park <laughs> in one area. And, and they did a really good job on it. And you, if you look at Motherwell's park now, it's one of the best in Scotland. And the surface is, is terrific mm -hmm. most, the majority of the time. As Motherwell will tell you, though, it's not cheap. No, you know, to well, fix I, was just, I was just going to wait to say that, Alan. And, and you just wonder if Dundee... With the new stadium yeah, in mind, absolutely. if they are willing to shell out big bucks to, to, well, that, you know, to get Dens up, up they're not They're not willing to spend money elsewhere in the yeah, stadium, so I, yeah. I, I, I have serious doubts whether anything but essential work gets, gets yeah, paid for. A tarpaulin will work. A tarpaulin <laughs> over the top of it, yeah, I'm sure. Because they have got two great groundsmen in the yeah. two, two Bryans. They've shown over the years that the work they've put in is uh, fantastic. But the game's been moved, I think, ambitiously to next Tuesday. After just three days after another home match against Partick, uh, I don't think there's a huge amount of rain be uh, forecast between now and Saturday. But 
I had my concerns over both games yeah, after that. Well, I'm disappointed that, but you mentioned there, we never saw what the Dundee team was actually going to be. I was, I was quite interested. really yeah. interested to see who he was going to play. Because for me, your key men, for me, one of them is Paul McMullen. Does he get a break? Does he get the, the rest that he probably requires? And does he they take him out of the equation in terms of you can't afford him to get an injury the way things stand? There's one or two others you could put in that category as well. I noticed, interestingly, last night, Queen's Park, the lost to Wraith Rovers in the quarterfinal. Queen's Park never put Simon Murray on, even when they were desperate for a goal in the last five minutes. So that tells you where their priority lies. I wonder if Dundee were going to do the same, but we'll get a good answer next week if the game goes ahead. It's really funny you you mentioned that because you've just put a thought into my head that, I mean, you don't really think about this sort of thing, but Dunfermline did tweet their team. And yeah. I forget the exact one to live in it was, but I remember thinking it was a very, very attacking team, mm-hmm. a surprisingly attacking team. They were really going for it. And you just wonder, is that James McPake kind of showed his cards now? Because it won't be difficult for nothing's ever deleted on the internet. So somebody <laughs> yeah. will have that team out there. But and I, I would think the team the team lines would have been handed into the ref. I would just Dundee just didn't tweet it, I think. So Dunfermline will would surely Dunfermline have known. see them? I think so, but before an hour, an hour before mm. the game, I think you have to have your team line in. Yeah. I think they might have seen it. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure. You've got to have them into the referee, but I, I don't think it's... Ah, you did he not share them? The opposition, no. I, I thought that was, that was. I guess it also depends when it was privately known that the game probably won't go yeah. ahead. And if it was privately effectively known that the game wasn't going to go ahead, mm-hmm. then maybe that sort of yeah. official, you know, yeah, passing round of the team thing. But just a, just a thought that it's a, yeah, it's an interesting point Bear makes that we don't really know what Dund- how Dundee were going to approach this tie, whereas we do know how Dunfermline <laughs> were going to approach it and you wonder whether a wee bit of James's surprise factor there at going to Dens Park and mm. saying, you know what, we're throwing punches with you. Yeah. It's maybe gone now ahead of the ahead of next midweek, which was a wee bit of a shame from the, the past perspective. Well, they, they would have had pretty much nothing to lose, really. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the, the underdogs coming from the lower league, they're flying in League One, they're what, four mm. points clear with two games in hand, just beat second place. Mm. They've got good players as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that, although there has been changes there, Dunfermline have a squad that should never have been relegated. So while I'm not, I don't buy all this, they're a championship club, you're yeah. not, you're, you're whatever division you're in, yeah, yeah. club. However, in terms of their personnel, they have talent, so they will fancy their chances of going toe-to-toe with Dundee. And in many ways, you can expect it to be a tougher game than maybe you would expect from a, a Hamilton mm. or some other teams that are actually in the championship. So I think it would be... I was really looking forward to it just from a, a totally yeah. selfish, yeah, unanalytical yeah. perspective. <laughs> I was sitting at home really, really looking forward to that game. So, um, yeah, it was a real shame. That um, championship club, that felt like a sly dig at my club. I say stuck <laughs> in League One. Thanks very much. For, yeah, for, I mean... <laughs> I mean <laughs> entirely of our own making. Uh, uh, yeah, I absolutely. mean, from Dundee's point of view, as, as well as protecting the players that are key for you for, for the number one priority of the season which is to get back to the Premier League you also have a raft of players who need game time who need to get games yeah. under their belt you know they've got as I've, I've spoken about time and time again you know we're, we're seeing Dundee bench that's got seven first team players desperate to get mm. onto that part and some of them have really struggled to get game, games under their belt and this would be an ideal opportunity to do to do that I think yeah I think we would probably we may well have seen Killian Sheridan and, and yeah. Alex he could be like after the, they haven't pulled up any trees this season, Newcomer's been injured. He scored a few goals in the, in the League Cup and looked good. Says he's back, feeling fit after. Well, it was an interesting chat I had with him uh, in the, to preview the, the game at the start of the week. He was talking about micro tears in his in his muscles around his old kind of surgery mm-hmm. where he had got fixed a couple of years ago, and 
hopefully he'll be back. But I think the two of them made an impact off the bench on Friday. Dundee were very poor in the first half, but yeah, much better uh, in the uh, second. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, moving on to that. Um, but in, in terms of Sheridan, he came on at uh, Somerset Park as well. And, and did a very good job in the in the second half. I've got to say, he never really looked like scoring now, which is a big problem when you're, yeah. when you're playing as a striker. But he did occupy the centre halves. He did win balls in the air. And that's something that, that Zach Rudden has, has failed to do on a consistent basis. But Zach Rudden has a knack of sneaking a goal here and there. So it's a real, yeah. it's a real fine balancing act for for uh, the manager. Who, you know, who do we go with here? Because you'd like someone to have... You know the, the full sort of bag of tools. Well, they had there. that. They had that they, up they had until that. last week. Yes, they did. Uh, they did. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Zach Robinson has now gone. So, but I think uh, I think Charlene Sheridan has a job and he, he has a, a role to play. And similarly with, with Alec Jakubiak, you know, he, he he's sort of been blighted by injury at Dens. And it was, yeah. you know, to be fair, I, I thought uh, it was. You know the the club were, were quite kind to him, offering him another year's contract. It could have been quite easy to, to let him go. I think it was James McPake that mm-hmm. actually did it. One of the few things he did before he actually left the club. He, you know, he, he made sure because I think he had faith in Alex Jakubiak. We, we need to see that faith repaid in, in terms of performances and goals. But he does need games. I'll give him that. You know, yeah. and, and, and that, there's a few of them in that same boat. And in terms of Robinson, that. Of course, it happened after we recorded last week's podcast. Yeah. I heard heard news when we got up to Dens that been uh, he'd said his goodbyes already and, and was heading down the road. Um, good to hear that he took the time to step into the, the training ground and say bye to everybody. All the club staff didn't have to do that, and there's been quite a few players over the years who've just mm-hmm. disappeared without a trace. Um, but what was your feeling when it? Yeah. Well, yeah. it was a major, major blow. I mean, I spoke yeah. to you last week on the podcast. I, I said, well, I haven't heard much about Zach Robinson uh, recently. And you said, well, he is just coming back from injury. And, you know, but you always got the feeling is there something else going on? But ultimately, he wasn't Dundee's player. And this is the big yeah. danger you've got when you have loan yeah. men at your club. Everybody, this could happen to any club in the land. Um, and unfortunately, it has happened to Dundee. I think from a good point of view and from the positive side, Zach Robinson had not been playing through Dundee's best run of the season. When they go yeah. that ten game unbeaten run, you know he'd, he'd hardly touched it in that he wasn't involved. Maybe maybe at the early stages, but you know they've managed to win games without him. But there is no doubt that you know we, we spoke about as a as a, a player who could get goals and who could occupy certain halves mm-hmm. and could bring the rest of the team into plays, link up plays, the best that that we had at the club. It, it does leave a bit of a, a bit of a hole there. Now you'd like to think Dundee can find someone who could replace him, but. How do you do that? I've, I've heard Dundee fans say, why haven't they brought someone in already? But I'm sure uh, Gary Boyer has, you know, a, f- a few ideas in mind and a few players in mind. But, you know, there's lots of things that could, you know, yeah. there's finance. Does a player want to come up to Scotland and play for a few months up here? You know, and it's a real difficult one. It's It, it, it really is tough. I mean, I think if they can get someone... I mean, it doesn't have to be goals, but it has to be someone who can hold the ball up, George. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's what they need. You'd like to think you could get a stick that could get goals as well, but it's, it's a transfer window, John. Where are you going to get someone like that on, <laughs> on the money that Dundee can offer? Yeah, it's not only the fact that it's the January transfer window; it's the fact that as we speak, we're less than halfway through the yeah. January transfer window. You hear fans saying, "Oh, it's so frustrating. We leave everything till the last minute. We leave everything." Well, that's because other clubs leave things to the last mm-hmm. minute. Players leave things to the last minute. Why would you make a definitive decision about your player or your career or your future? 
future until you have to, mm. until you know every option that you may have between now and the end of January. Ideally, they'll get someone in, they'll find the right player and they'll be willing to come now. But it's exactly the same with, you know, with United, the club that I cover. The, the frustration of supporters is totally understandable, but it all needs to be balanced off against the fact that you can't force someone at gunpoint no. to make a decision on their future. You can't force clubs to say, right, we'll let him out on loan because if they're going to be paying a chunk of his wages anyway, or maybe even all of his wages anyway, they're going to say, we'll not let him go until the end of January. Yeah. We're going to get yeah. the rest of this month out of because it's a congested period. It's the height of winter. We've got injuries. We've got illnesses. We're going to keep him for that long. So these are all the problems you have in January. It's a... It sounds like a platitude, it sounds like an excuse, but it's not. January's a horrible window for mm. almost every conceivable reason. It is a, yeah. It's really tough, but at least Dundee have know exactly what they need, they know what they want, and not only is Zach Robinson left, but obviously now McGinn's left, and you would imagine that that should facilitate them being able to get someone. I just wouldn't necessarily expect it to happen <laughs> imminently. So, yeah, another late month for George on deadline yeah. God. Um, in terms of Robinson, they they haven't completely given up hope that it's the last game he's ever played for Dundee. That he, he played for AFC Wimbledon on Saturday, just five minutes off the bench. But that now means that mm. he can't play for any other club apart from Dundee or That's Wimbledon. Good. So Dundee are kind of hoping they decide they mm -hmm. want to bring somebody in, a striker, and then because Wimbledon they made it clear that they were very happy with yeah, how he was doing yeah. at Dundee and developing it. Well, that Depends might, on how they decide if he's good enough yet for yeah. their first team well, or I mean, that might, that they want to bring somebody in. Force Dundee's hand as well to say, well, we'll just hang, we'll hang fire on any moves at this point in time, wait and see how Zach Robinson goes yeah. at Wimbledon over the next few weeks and see, yeah. see what developments are down there. I'm sure somebody might give them a heads up if, it, if, if there is an opportunity yeah. you know, going forward that he may, may return. And that would be the ideal scenario because he comes into a club where he's, he's done well and he, you, you know um, yeah. the, as, as state as, as match fitness as mm -hmm. mental state in terms of you know ready attitude to play games and things like that because let's be honest you're bringing someone in the January transfer aren't you? you're not going to get someone from a club who is banging in goals at a club and is, is doing fantastically well Aye. you're going to get someone who is out of favour and has maybe had not, had not had much game time as well you know mm -hmm. so I mean and there's also the fact that I'm sure that Gary Boyer in, in an ideal scenario you get someone in a lone player for three months, have a look at him, if, if, if it's not doesn't work out, he can go back again. But that may not be the case. It may be the case that Dundee have to offer somebody an 18-month contract here yeah. to get them up the road on decent money. And there, therein lies the gamble. You know, you, you get someone who doesn't do the job that you're looking for and Gary Boyer's going to have to figure it out. But they, trying to be positive, they have won games without Zach Robinson. Yeah, they have absolutely. managed to do that. They have managed to play well without Zach Robinson in the team. Um, they've started a wee bit recently. Uh, they had the game against Arbroath, which, you know, uh, I would just say not taking anything away from Arbroath on that day, but it was their day. Anything that yeah. could have possibly went wrong for, for Dundee went wrong. Anything that could have possibly went right for Arbroath went right. And we saw that. I didn't think Arbroath were fantastic. And we've seen the result consequently against uh, Inverness here at the weekend. That's the champ championship in microcosm, that. Yeah, it Two is. Games, of, yeah. of course it is. Um, but Dundee, to be fair... I was beginning to get really worried that first half at Starks mm -hmm. Park. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that first half at Starks Park uh, was worse than anything they yes. produced against a broth that was dire. I, don't, I, I, don't I think know. Boyer said yeah. it was one of the worst he did, he did, this time. Yeah. He did change the, the, the formation slightly. He went with three and, you know, the, the, the two wing back. It didn't seem to work. But fair play to um, Gary Boyer. He saw at half time there was a real issue. He doesn't waste time and he, he just yeah. three off, three on and instantly... They look a far better prospect. And it wasn't because they were playing fantastic football. 
but they, they looked a much better side, you know. Mm. With Sheridan up top and, you know, McCowan coming in. And they created chances. And they really, they should have really went on and won the game. But typical as Dundee, they could have actually lost it in the death. <laughs> so after watching the first half and the way things panned out in the second half, I think it was a really good point. They scored a fantastic goal. Um, a great run. Cami Kerr gets criticised time and time again about not being able to deliver in the box, but he certainly delivered that. To peach. And that's a typical, you know, a, a goal that... Uh, John McGee. John McGee. Sorry, <laughs> sorry John, you're a prominent, prominent striker. But he normally gets a few goals. He likes a goal at Starks Park, I have to say. But it was a great goal. Great run into the box. We had 10 yeah. shoulders, by the way. And knocked it. And I think it was a good point. And it steadied the ship for Dundee. Um, so hopefully, looking forward to the game on Saturday. Now, <laughs> fingers crossed it doesn't rain too much between <laughs> yeah. now and then. And we get the game on against Partick Thistle because I do believe and we said right at the start of the season who are Dundee's main threats and mm. you looked at it you went Inverness, Cali and Partick Thistle now they have had horrendous times both of them Inverness, Cali more so I would suggest with injuries and Partick Thistle as well have had their, their, their fair share they don't have huge squads and we've seen that in the results but they still have a big role to play in the mm. shake-up for this championship this season they're not too far off. They've, they'd have to put together decent runs to get themselves in terms of being title contenders, you know, in there. But they're certainly not off the playoffs, that's for sure. And they seem to be coming on to a bit of form. So it's a big one for Dundee against Partick this week on Saturday. Partick came to Den's first game of the season and, and beat Dundee, turned yeah. Dundee over. So I'm hoping that Dundee can reverse that this week. End of this month, Queen's Park coming to Den's Park is yeah. absolutely huge. And do you look at... Well, that's the next two league games, isn't it? Partick yeah. and, and Queen's Park. You look, so. at, you look at the league table and you don't want that gap to Queen's Park getting any further ahead because they now look like the real deal. Yeah. And see, once momentum starts building, the way that momentum seems to be building just at the moment for Queen's Park, that can take you a long way. Um, so I would worry about the momentum and the confidence that Queen's Park are building and Dundee can't afford any slips. And it might, you know, they need to be close enough that if Queen's Park keep winning, then they take it into their own hands and they're the team that beat Queen's Park and, and start to put some yeah. pressure on because whereas they were uh, interesting you know, uh, outsider earlier on this season, you're now looking at Queen's Park and going, oh, that, that's yeah. actually a team that yeah. could win this league. Yeah. So. To, be, to be fair to Dundee, they have done well against Queen's Park. They beat mm -hmm. them in Absolutely. the cup at the start of the season. They beat them at the end 3 0. Zach Robertson scored that absolute. Owen Coyle, yeah, Owen, Owen Coyle was not happy with, with that game, was he? No. I think he, he thought that was deceptive to put, I, put it yeah right I think he was right with that one they, I think he said with the one at the start of the season they had a million chances or something which wasn't true <laughs> I mean that just sounds like they were wasteful <laughs> they won't get themselves to blame <laughs> that wasn't true the first game and Dundee deserved to win that but then the last game was at Oakleview and Derek Ossie I remember scoring mm. in the last minute that's suddenly looking like a much much more important mm. goal than it yeah. seemed at the time um, got Dundee a point there but they're yeah. scoring goals, Queen's Park. No, so no, so I mean, are part I'd be interested to see how they go this week. Yeah. They're up at Inverness, which is always a tough place to go at the best of times. Yeah. Inverness seem to have scoring goals got well. themselves a bit on the on the on the, the straight and narrow again. So that should be an interesting game. But yeah, Alan's right. The one thing you can't afford is for the gap to grow. Dundee at this point in time, they've got to play Queen's Park twice. So it's still within Dundee's capable. There's 16 games to go. There's a lot of football to be played. The big problem is it's when you get down to the last run of fixtures. And you suddenly start looking around Queen's Park and maybe got a four, mm -hmm. five, six point gap. And you know, even if you beat them, 
you're still going to be relying on other teams to do you a favour to go past them. That that's that's that could be a worrying aspect. But this is, I mean, we're maybe getting ahead of our hel- ourselves here. There could be a, I mean, we're forgetting about Air United have actually jumped above Dundee in the mm-hmm. table again. You know, don't write them off. Um, and as we've seen, you know, that, that championship, you just you're just never sure who's going to beat who, George. Yeah, and talking about goal scorers, though, that's my, that's my main worry. I think Dundee are defending fine. They're, Defensive numbers are pretty good. That are both game notwithstanding, I would say. Um, but Queens Park, Simon Murray's on fifteen goals now. Akinyemi's on fifteen goals. I was having a look at the top scorer charts, and the top ten doesn't have a current Dundee player in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Robinson's got five. I think he's just off off the table. Zach Robinson's still on that, obviously, but not at Dundee at, at this moment. Um, We've talk, kind of talked about needing to replace Robinson, but they, they, they need much more from the strikers. I think between Yakubiak, Sheridan, mm. and Aussie, they've got one late goal between them, yeah. which is wow. And not it's, it's, it's not enough. It isn't enough. And none, yeah. of the, none of the three of them look like like getting goals. I've mm. got to say, but I'm going to turn it on its head, George. That one and go. Just imagine where Dundee would be if they did have a striker who was was yeah. banging in twenty exactly. goals. Um, as we said, Zach Rudden has, has, has got a few. Few been in the cup, to be fair, um, but he does look as though he's got a goal on him. Aye, he, he knows what the goal. He is. certainly does look as though he's got a goal on him, but it's his, his, his all-round play which mm. you've, you've got to look at. And, and you know that the way Dundee play as well, you know, you need a striker who can hold the ball up, who can occupy centre halves, who can bring others into play, who can bring the wide men, get mm-hmm. them up the park, get McMullen up the park, get Luke McCowan up the park. They've got players there, but you're right. Somebody has to step up because. As, as well as Paul McMullen has been doing, he's been doing fantastically well, he's been getting goals recently, you get the feeling that that's not going to continue forever. You know, he, he is a wide man, essentially, who create a creator of chances. He's not going to bang in goals for you left, right and centre. Fair play to Simon Murray, obviously, a Dundee lad who's come off the building site and has made a real career for himself mm. in professional football. And it shows you what, what you can do if, you, if, if, the, if the door opens for you, then take it. You know, you went away to South Africa, you got a nice contract out there. He's now at Queen's Park. I believe he has a nice contract at Queen's Park from what I believe. Um, and he's done really well for himself. I mean, Hibs, obviously. Coming back from that injury as well. Simon, Simon Murray's a, a top player. He's very, yes. he's very underrated because yes. I think I think it's because he's quite an understated guy. He is a very, very normal guy. There's no yeah, airs or graces right. about him. And he grafts on the football pitch. And I think some people can see a player that runs about like a maniac for 90 minutes and think, well, that's all he's about. Simon Murray's a good player. I remember, you know, I covered him a lot when he was playing, you know, it was a short time, but when he was playing for Hibs. Mm-hmm. I remember the, I was working at the the Edinburgh Derby where he picks up the ball on the left flank, skips inside, nutmeg, bangs it in the top corner. And an Edinburgh Derby, mm-hmm. you know, this is mm-hmm. a, he's a, you know, he is a very, very decent striker. He, he won't score goals. Yeah, he, right through his career, even, uh, well, obviously at junior level, he was banging in goals, but every club yeah, has been yeah. to score goals. Now, if you get a club like Queen's Park who create, obviously, mm-hmm. multiple mm-hmm. chances, I'm not, you know, he's like any other stick he thrives on chances they are creating chance after chance but you need someone at the end the top end of that 
to finish them and he's doing that for them so it, it does help as well if you, if you watch their goals from start when the goalie passes it straight to you <laughs> <laughs> which happened for that the was, first goal that wasn't the best start for the goalie <laughs> on, under the new manager Paul Hartley no it's <laughs> some new manager bounce wasn't it but I think there's a there's maybe a perception that some players are, are at a club like Queen's Park because they're on the downswing yeah. and that's not the case they're like for example someone like Simon Murray someone like Don Thomas they're at Queen's Park because they've been handsomely rewarded for being at, mm. at Queen's Park they're an ambitious club and they've got Willie Hoy behind them and you know he's no different Simon Murray will be earning similar probably to what he was earning at Dundee for example so don't think that he's a busted flush and he's and he's proven it this season mm. with a with the goal tally and he is just the type of guy that could fire a team to promotion in fact you'd almost say it would be sod's law but wouldn't we, it yeah. <laughs> well, he do that he's a massive Dundee exactly. supporter Simon if you're listening to this come on you can't keep scoring goals for Queen's Park but, but, but you, know how, you yeah. know how fo- you know how football narrative works no, no. that's exactly why he'll fire them to promotion well to even add to that he was on trial at Dundee before he signed for Queen's Park yeah. oh, coming God. back from his injury you to be fair, he wasn't ready yeah. yet yeah. To, uh, yeah. to step in. I think Dundee were in the Premiership at that point, mm-hmm. or maybe pushing for the Premiership, and Queen's Park were kind of lower reaches of League One. He wasn't ready to might earn, for Dundee, might, might earn the move this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him home. Yeah. Um, but we'll just finish up talking about the uh, party game, obviously, coming. Um, not being to find out who's going to be fit or, or not, but generally, I think the whole squad seems to be in, in decent shape. Paul McGowan's uh, still out with his knee. Um, obviously it was talked about now McGinn disappearing as well um, but they need, they need to show something on Saturday don't they Bear? I mean, Gary Boyer described uh, the first half at Wraith Rovers as poo for want of a better word he, he yeah, said but which that, was that a new was, one for me that was, wasn't far that off that was more the exception in, in the way they've been playing recently I've got to say I mean, I, I think they have been stunned they by need to show the home crowd somehow yeah, they? They, they were stunned by that uh, our growth result we've got yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And that took its toll in that first half. But the second half should give give them encouragement that they can go and win games at this level. There's, they have the players to go and do that at home, especially. You know they've they've given team yeah. points, teams points this season. Just when you think Dundee are making, but yeah, I hate using that word, the fortress, because <laughs> as soon as you say it, they get beat. Um, Partick have already stung them at Dens, so they should be well aware of what Partick can offer. But then the the great run that Dundee went on began at Hull. remember 2-0 yeah. two, two down there was a, a case that Gary Boyer's jacket could have been on a shugly peg had they lost that game they come out in the second half and run all over the top of Partick get the result win 3-2 and then go on that terrific run now they need to get back on, on the three points trail again and, and, and get the result on Saturday but it'll be tough there's no easy games mm. in that championship you know you see the players at Partick got big Graham up, up, up front you know um, I see they've got Kevin Hope back in defence again. He was out for a wee while. I like the guy Harry Mullen who plays. He's this very good. Few good, goals came from good. COVID. He was, he was out last weekend. I saw he wasn't in that right, team. Right. Okay. So. Well, let's hope he stays out because <laughs> he, he offers something going forward as well as defensively. I like him, um, and they've got one or two others who have played at a higher level as well. And you know, we in McCall is a shrewd manager. You know, he knows how to set teams up. He knows how to win games. Um, they'll think they're back in it. The, the results they've yeah. had recently they'll think they've got a real chance especially if they can come to Dens and get the three points Dundee have got to go and get themselves back with get a win get the confidence back up again and hopefully 
Inverness car, they can do a job on Queen's <laughs> Park and, and we get a bit closer to them at the top. Apropos of nothing, I th- on the Harry Mill thing, I think he is genuinely a superb player. I've seen yeah, him a couple is. of times and he's one of the championship's best in that position. I'd, if United were to lose Behic and they will and at some point, mm. he's exactly the type of guy I'd be looking yeah. at if I was United. I think he's that good. He can, Which, st- he can step up. He scored two, there was him scoring both goals against Dundee the last time out. Yeah. That, to put them to not. He looks a bit slight to me, but then he, I mean, Behich is, is, is the biggest yeah. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that'll come. Physically, he can get stronger, yeah. yeah. Well, talking about United, I guess we'll just take a, a few steps across the road and talk about that. Yeah, the Dundee United's um, recent or the good run after the, the World Cup break came to an end against Rangers. Maybe not a huge surprise, but there's enough positives, I would say, to come out of that first half, particularly to to keep them happy, momentum going a wee bit? Well, I think one of the positives you can take is the fact that Liam Fox was reluctant to take any positives. Well, I think that's actually quite a okay. quite a good way yeah, to yeah. look at it. You know, it was put to him, uh, not by me, but one of my colleagues, that, you know, that there's probably enough in that first half that you can surely think, right, we'll, we'll take the positives. And he was like, well, no, the game lasts 90 minutes, so mm. we're not going to be analysing 45. So I think that's good. I think there's no accentuating of... Uh, of the positives when you're second bottom of the league and he quite clearly wants to develop and get better and actually learn from what they did wrong. He, what they did right in the first half, they created a, a few half chances. So Liam Smith's chance that he curls just wide is, was a better chance than I thought. Stephen Fletcher was very, very dangerous. Um, really, really bullied Ben Davis at times. He's When Fletcher's on it, he's a top, top player. And John McLaughlin getting his hand to that Glenn Middleton low cross in the first period. That's a tap-in at the back post mm. if McLaughlin doesn't get there, you know. That was a great som- bit of football, that. Yeah, we sometimes look yeah. at goalkeepers and we only, and, and Beryl, I'm sure, back no, up, but no, we, only, we only ever, you know, praise them when it's a it's a save. You know, they have stopped the ball from going in the net. But see that cutting out of a cross? That's a, a fingertip goal-saving intervention. It was really, really good goalkeeping and as good a chance as any sort of point-blank shot that Dundee United could have. So there was a lot there in the first half, but they they didn't come out in the second half. Rangers stepped up the gears and Dundee United didn't respond. Um, They conceded... I thought it was a good goal. I know listeners will look at it from a Dundee United perspective and will pick holes in it. You absolutely can. Liam Smith gets dragged out, follows Fashion Sakala out and then gets spun and done for pace. Brian Edwards could come across a bit faster. Things like that. But it was also a really good goal. You know, Fashion Sakala played very well. Spins Liam Smith. The flick into Barisic, uh, so the flick from Barisic to Ryan Jack's really nice. Ryan Jack's flick header to Fashion Sagala, and he effectively flicks it up with his right and volleys it in with his left. It's a, you know, it's a really good goal. And the disappointment will come with the fact that Dundee United didn't say, "Well, that's one goal. We can score one goal. We've shown mm. in the first half that we're capable of scoring one goal. Let's just make sure it doesn't get any worse." Before you can even have that thought, it was worse. So that will be where the disappointment comes in, but. It's, it's Rangers. Dundee United will not get relegated on the back of matches against Rangers, nor their next home game which uh, in the league, which is against Celtic. Um, not ideal, but the bigger test comes when they, they host Hibs, when they go to Livingston. Those games coming up are way bigger than a home match against Rangers, and I don't think a bad 45 minutes will derail it, although I think it's really heartening that Liam Fox is willing to actually focus on that 45 minutes and say, do you know what? We're not going to dwell on the good things. We know we can do the good things, right? So they're there. Let's fix the things that went wrong. Mm. And that should hopefully stand them in in half decent stead because for 45 minutes, I thought they were okay against Rangers, albeit Rangers were absolutely dire. 
for for the first half. You can give United credit for that for maybe <laughs> the, making them making them dire, but they have been far better defensively, haven't they? Since since the restart, it's kind of looking a lot, a lot harder to get through. They were far too easy at the start mm. of the season, particularly. Oh, definitely, and that defence was a bit shaky in the second half. I think conceding a goal spooked them. Um, and but what I would say is one key factor to the improvement defensively has been the goalkeeper. And again, Mark Birigetti was very good against Rangers. Um, he made a couple of really really key saves and. Although Dundee United didn't collapse, they could feasibly have lost 3 or 4-0 um, if it had not been for Mark Birigiti. So I think that's another big plus point in the sense that he carries on his momentum, mm. he carries on his confidence. And that's important, to say the least, because that situation, and we've not been inflaming it, it has clearly been a visible situation this season that we've just been talking about now kind of looks like it's maybe resolving itself, mm-hmm. which is which it has to if Dundee United are going to stay up. You simply will not stay up if your goalkeeper's thrown in goals. Um, yeah. So the fact that that now seems to be, I mean, there's so much kind of touch wood going on here, but <laughs> uh, the fact that it seems to be improving what, and we seem to be okay. You, you talk about the saves. He did the simple things well. Yeah. And that, that breeds encouragement as well. The simple, the passbacks, you know, he, he dealt with them well, anything that came in the box, crosses that keepers should take, he came and took. And just, it might be easy crosses, but everything was nice and smooth. And he made a few good saves as well, but it all adds into the bigger picture for mm. Dundee. But I but Alan, I, I mean, the United first half, were, I thought, were excellent. Hunting in packs, lots of energy in that team. You know, when when you see Harks and Levitt and Freeman and even the, the fullback Smith and, and McMahon hunting down Rangers and back and Rangers had a real issue in the first half trying to create any sort of openings whatsoever against against United and, and, and the other side of the coin is United were creating one or two decent opportunities for themselves as Rangers came forward mm. um, and I'm with Alan I think the goals obviously changed games I thought it was a fantastic goal from Fashion Sakal and Alan's, Alan's described it perfectly it was a sensational goal right foot left foot volley it's over it's over the top of Birgit's shoulder before he can raise his hand up. The, the pace it goes in at. A lot of guys would have lashed that one way over the top of the stand. And I spoke about this last week. You know, you can take positives from, from the game. Even if it's not a point, they can take positives in the way they play. I said, the one thing they must they have to do, if they lose a goal, don't lose a goal on the back yeah, of it. Yeah. Because as soon as they do that, Rangers just press the cruise control button. And, and it looked to me, the last sort of half hour or so, or 20, 20 minutes, Rangers... Past, past the ring, you know, and, 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 and yeah. the United fans were sitting there, and that sort of the one thing about Rangers, they tend not to turn the screw the way Celtic would turn the screw in those situations of mm. going and bagging our tour. They'd like a few more goals, but you know, the Celtic have got that sort of killer instinct they would go and take an R2 or three of them. The United fans were sitting watching that, and it was a wee bit like a training session. So, yeah, I could see why Liam Fox was, was a wee bit disappointed, but it was the goals United had done perfectly well in the first half. Sensational goal from Sakala does it, but the, the the sore one is the second one because that kills the game completely mm-hmm. for Dundee United. One thing I, I didn't like about the the goals and this will seem because it is it's completely petty and uncalled for criticism of a goalkeeper, but I don't like it when goals go in and the goalie doesn't dive. <laughs> I, just don't, I don't know. Just for the just first chuck one, your, just chuck <laughs> yourself. Come on, man. What you, you talking about? The, the first Both goals. No, 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 they had no nah, chance with either. The but first one. The first one. I don't know. Goal, it just feels the, like the first one. You could have dived. Such is the pace of the shot, and you see it from behind the goal. He, he, I told you it was petty. He, he's in the right. He's in the right position. It's just the, the, the power of the shot, and that's where. You, you Sometimes I just want them to dive it, as if it, they could um, have made it, but they. You see it when in goals and and people say keepers soon you getting beat at their near post like that, but good strikers know it's a difficult position it's a hard thing to do 
if you're coming in from the angle to put a ball over the top of the keeper's by his ears effectively right. but if you're a keeper you're set up with your hands at either side and if somebody whistles one mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get your hand up quickly because you'd expect maybe something a bit lower down um, so no, I wouldn't criticise him for the first one the second one I, I'm not, I he had no it. chance either but second yeah. one's a really good finish I, I think was, it's, yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. been it's probably been slightly overshadowed by that first goal but um, the composure of Malik yeah, Tillman yeah, yeah. to because it was a, a lot strimer- of players would have just lost it yeah they? exactly because we're watching the game from a you know writing about it and you're thinking oh it's a strimer- there's this going on there's this mm. going on and you know we're finding it a bit frantic so to actually be on the pitch mm-hmm. and have the wherewithal to put your foot on the ball look at what's unfolding in front of you and pop it in yeah. the corner in the other corner really really good um, but see you, you're kind of taking the grievance for me my petty grievance goes the other way I, as someone that I you know occasionally played in goals not to bear standard <laughs> but I, 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 as a you know someone with sympathy towards goalkeepers I think when you make a save and those around you don't react the way in yeah. such a way that you allow them to have another bite at yeah. it. I think that must be incredibly oh, frustrating because yeah. Birgit makes a really good save, and United's attempt to clear it was it was powder puff, and that's how the ball gets back to Tillman. So that's that would be incredibly frustrating. But as I say, you know they'll they'll learn from that and move on. Mm. I, and I get Bird makes a great point about it being a bit like a training session. And I thought it was neither fish nor fowl from Dundee United. I think because of the scars of early on in the season, I think the instincts, whether it was Liam Fox's instincts or just human beings on the pitch, was to say, "Let's like, this can't be six, this can't be seven. Mm. And I, I wonder whether there was an element of that. So they've been caught between just shutting up shop and thinking, well, we need to try and get back yeah. in the game. And I don't think they've quite done either. I don't think they limited range as much as they would have liked. And I don't think they created anything at the other end. No. So you ended up with that weird sort of middle ground. And yeah, the second half was a, was a non-event. But... The, the, you know the things they could have done about that don't come after the second goal. They've come, you know, they come before the second goal and, and stopping that from happening. Ah, we'll move on from my petty grievances about absolutely nothing. Your um, anti goalkeeper yeah, agenda. <laughs> I knew there was no basis for it, but I don't know. Just chuck yourself. Mate. It's the Sky Sports yeah. generation. You're you're all about the spectacle. <laughs> chuck yourself, mate. <laughs> Looks better. Um, good news though for ahead of the Hibs game. Looks like Jimmy McGrath might be available. Yeah, I returned to full training on Tuesday, so I'd be pretty stunned if he's not straight back in the uh, starting lineup. Think he'll be straight back in? I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think he, in fact, I think the stats will probably bear this out, and we'll have a piece for tomorrow's paper, and it'll be you know online by the time you listen to this, talking about you know some of the numbers behind Jamie McGrath's season. He's Dundee United's best player in terms of the form and his efficiency in the final third. He is Dundee United's best player, and. He Ian Hark's done an admirable job coming in and making sure that void's not been so badly filled. But he's a very different sort of player. He's a, he's more industrious. He's more he gets about the pitch. Dundee United will get much more in the final third from Jamie McGrath, and he also does that graft aspect of things. He's a very very good all round player, and he could do have some real damage. So it wasn't a catastrophic injury he had. It was niggling. They didn't want to make it any worse, but. I don't think it's the sort of injury that you need to say, well, he needs half an hour off the bench. I think it's the sort of injury right. that after a week's full training, he should be able to start. And although I know you sometimes you gradually ease injured players back in, but if he's Jamie McGrath, I think he goes straight back in the same way that we've seen Stephen Fletcher come back from injuries. And when mm-hmm. Stephen Fletcher's good to go, Stephen Fletcher goes in. Jamie McGrath, exactly the same type of player for me. And you, you kind of pointed out the... 
the league game that comes after this, Hibs one being Celtic at home, it, it, this is a massive game, isn't it, Bear? Hibs, oh. what, played a game more, but they're seven points ahead. Haven't been brilliant yeah, lately, although yeah. they were good. Just on, just quickly turn back to Jamie McGrath. Mm-hmm. I think Jamie McGrath is a terrific player as well, but I still think he's got more offer done, do you know? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, yeah. And, and, but you're saying the stats that he's mm-hmm. been the best. So, yeah. but in, I mean, mm-hmm. I've, you've seen him much more than me, Alan, but I still see Jamie McGrath. He's still got, there's, there's, a, there's a more, he's more in there to come out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so well, that's, a, that's a good thing, I've got to say. You know, he's, you know, his numbers that he, it's for that eighteen months when he was on fire were outrageous. Yeah. You know, he's contributed seventeen goals through either assists or goals mm-hmm. over the course of yeah. eighteen months. You know, for a struggling St. Mirren team, you know, and yeah, it always seemed to be him. He was involved in yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah, and he's I think he's gradually adjusted to what's a completely different role. You know, he's higher up the pitch and he's got defensive responsibilities as well as energetic responsibilities, but. I, I agree. As he gets, he, you could see towards the particularly, you know, coming towards the Christmas period, mm-hmm. him getting used to that role and what was being asked of yeah, him, yeah. and also getting fully fit after a time out the team at Wigan, and he's on a real upward trajectory. And we were talking about Zach Robinson getting recalled and things. Yeah. How great it is that Jamie McGrath doesn't have a recall no. clause, no, so because yeah. Wigan are Wigan are struggling and could yeah. maybe do with some inspiration in the final third. So yeah, yeah w- while I made those points about Jamie McGrath, one hundred percent agree that as he, as this team around him improves he will only get better when he doesn't have to do quite so much yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry Jez what was the question Hibs wasn't it yeah. big, big game yeah big simple game simple question is, well every game is a big game for United because as, as you see even if you where United have come from yeah the bottom of the table you can't escape that with one or two victories it's got to be a, a lengthy period of picking up points so they go into this Hibs game um, and I've got to say what's Hibs on uh, Sunday I think it was and, and it's typical Hibs performance you know they offer teams so many chances I'm sure United mm. will get a fair amount of opportunities but worryingly for Dun United Kevin two Nisbet. words Kevin Nisbet exactly mm-hmm. sensationally he only touched the ball I mean the stats say I think it was four times in the Motherwell box and he scored a hat trick <laughs> you know it's quite it was absolutely ridiculous now this lad Kevin we know I mean he has been struggling he big style with injury he was off the boil a bit um, but on his day he's one of the top top strikers in the land and and, and you know, rightly sort of quoted by a lot of clubs down south as well. If he can get his that sort of level mm-hmm. of performance back, and he's the sort of boy that can keep Lee Johnson in a job mm-hmm. quite easily for a team that's suddenly going in one direction. You get your main striker banging in goals again, they start moving very quickly in the other other direction. So yeah, major threat, major major threat from him. But as I've touched on, Dundee United will get chances in this game. It won't be. It'll be a different game, obviously totally as you would expect to the Rangers game where they've spent the majority of time chasing the ball and on the back foot and having to defend they're going to get openings and they've enjoyed success at Easter Road in the past so mm-hmm. good opportunity for them but they have to you, you, you can't like you say two two wins hasn't got United away from the, the drop zone in fact they're, they're well well in the mix down there so yeah. a couple of really big games coming up starting with Hibs on Saturday as you say I mean what was it th- Three really good results, and, and United are still eleventh, and behind Motherwell on, on goal difference. It's so tight. Goes to show how poor the start of the season yeah. was. Yeah, that that upturn has counted. I can counted still to take that momentum. As I said, yeah, I think they're still going really well. Games. Yeah, I mean, it could, it could have been nine out of nine, but you know, the Shankland penalty gets hearts a point at Tannadice. I mean, and they have they've lost one game to Old Firm, so they, I mean, they should be going to Hibs with a, a degree of confidence. But they need to be aware of the situation they are in. They, they, they can't afford 
runs of of not picking up anything. Yeah. You've got to continually be picking up points because mm -hmm. others around you will be doing that. Before that one at Motherwell, Hibs had lost nine of their last 11 week yeah. games. There should be no fear factor mm -hmm. going to Easter Road, particularly given how, and you know, I worked in Edinburgh for a long, long time covering these teams. Easter Road and Tynecastle are really hard places for the home team to play when things mm -hmm. aren't going well. And the Hibs fans aren't suddenly on cloud nine because of one win at Motherwell. And, Let's not kid ourselves. Some of the defending by Motherwell was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, you know, was, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, as bad as I've seen any team this season. And I've covered nines and sevens for, you know, Dundee United. So don't mention um, that. Come on, so I, I don't think all is now rosy in the garden at Hibs. And if United can go there and try and exert themselves on the game and get the home fans at Easter Road antsy, sell out away section going there to support Dundee United. I think it's a very winnable football match. Um, yeah, I, 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 I sat in, in the Tannadice press box and chewed up their Wi-Fi watching the, the Hibs Motherwell <laughs> game on Sky Sports and Hibs weren't suddenly silky football. No. They just took mm. advantage of terrible defending as the way Kevin, as you rightly point yeah. out, Kevin Nisbet does. Yeah, I, I mean, I, every time, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I watch them religiously, but every time I see Hibs, David Marshall has to pull off two or three brilliant saves every single game. I don't think there's a game where he actually, you know, has a really, I know it was nine, never had a shot to save, mm -hmm. which most keepers would accept. So, like I say, there will be opportunities for, for Dundee United to go and get something in this game, I'm, I'm sure of, um, but they'll have to keep the back door shut. Yeah, and it, Alan, you, you spoke about Stephen Fletcher coming back, straight back in after injury previous in the season. He did that, obviously, at the weekend and maybe surprised a, f a few people that came in for Tony Watt and Tony Watt was, was, was not in the starting eleven. Do you think that was... Purely tactical, do you think that was part of the this kind of transfer speculation hanging around Tony Watt? I think it's because Stephen Fletcher's a better lone striker is yeah. the, probably the simple answer and I think we saw that in the first half against Rangers, the way he brings other people into the game, the way he creates chances for himself, the way he can bully centre-halves. Stephen Fletcher, when fully fits, one of the best number nines in Scotland. Um, age doesn't change that. Age just makes you <laughs> slightly less durable maybe. So... Um, yeah, I would firmly expect him to be leading the line at Hibs. And mm -hmm. as always in Scottish football, because it's a village, a fascinating wee subplot, like Stephen Fletcher going back to where it all started. Yeah. You know, so many goals for Hibs, so many good times, part of that golden generation, double in the CIS Cup final when they won it. You know, proper hero. I don't, you know, try to think. I don't, I don't think he's done anything to wind up the, the, the Hibs <laughs> fans, really. So, you know, so he, his should, first game back. he should get a love. It's his first ever competitive wow. trip back wow. to Easter Road. And he was talking, you know, a bit <clears> on <throat> the record, and, you know, a wee bit off the record in terms of hoping that he gets a, a nice welcome because the regard he has for, for Hibs is still, you know, really, really strong. And I hope that is the case. You know, I hope he gets a nice welcome because uh, he's got a real fondness for Hibs. But knowing the way professional footballers mindsets work um, that'll only make him more determined to score yeah. it'll only make him more <laughs> determined to go back to where it all started and enjoy a nice um, nice homecoming so I think um, Nisbet at one end in form scoring goals hat trick Fletcher at the other end um, playing well fully fit going back to where it all started I think the, the two Taylor two strikers are really interesting he's got, he's got nothing's up written all over it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I, uh, we've, uh, I've learnt my lessons on that one so we can expect a, uh, you can expect to have to pad out a nil nil for Monday's yeah. paper <laughs> do you think I'll, I'll let you take a drink of your, your coffee first but um, do you think Tony Watt will come back into the team or do you think it'll be stick no I think he'll stick with how it is I think it'll be uh I think it'll be Glenn Middleton and Jamie McGrath behind Stephen Fletcher, um, Levitt and Sybold holding um, and 
I think the only interesting one is whether <coughs> uh, Ross, uh, Ross again, pardon me, uh, whether Charlie McGrew comes into the side mm. um, because. And we'll go a wee bit inside baseball here, but Charlie's doing the print press today, and I think we can we can say that because you'll be reading them in the paper by the time the teams come out. So I'm not spilling any secrets. Um, so I think that interesting. That it's not always an indication of who's going to play, but it can be um, mm. because players that know they're not going to be playing on Saturday tend to say, "Well, no, uh, no I'm not going to do press. <laughs> Why would I? I know at this point I'm not playing at the weekend. Oh, I've been burnt on that assumption before. Uh, well, don't you worry about that. Absolutely. Well, that's what I mean. It's it can be. Um, but Charlie's the, got enough um, clout that I've, I think he would be able to say if he... Yeah. Put, also, he's in the coaching staff, so he knows whether he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I think that's that's the only uh, intriguing one is whether um, Charlie Mulgrew might come in for, for say, Scott McMahon um, because the rest of the team probably picks itself. Um, um, I, I think Liam Smith will probably stay in there at centre-back because uh, Hibs have got a bit of pace in the wide areas mm. and, he might, and he probably wants... Um, Smith to come over and kind of cover for you know behind Kieran Freeman so not a difficult team to predict and not one that I would expect Tony Watt to be in um, mm. he says trying to learn <laughs> trying to take your very concise uh, <laughs> question and, and cut down the answer uh, Alan is Tony Watt still going to be in the building on Saturday I think he'll still be in the building on Saturday I, I'm not convinced he'll still mm. be in the building mm-hmm. come the, the end of the transfer window Um that's why I wonder if, if they're maybe preparing for life without him, if you know what I mean, by going with other guys. Yeah, I think there's an appreciation that Tony Watts, a very good footballer within Tanadice. However, his, how to put it, his role within the squad, I don't think naturally weighs up with um, his contract, effectively. And... They could, there would be a lot more um, opportunity to do business elsewhere, perhaps, if they could juggle a few things. And if you're juggling things, you're in a relegation battle, you're saying, well, we don't want to shift, we don't really want to shift anyone out of starting lineup because it's playing well. So, where else can we mm-hmm. jog yeah. through a few things in the spreadsheet? And Tony Watt, naturally, I'm not saying they're trying to shove them out the door, but Tony Watt is naturally someone you would look at and say, if an offer came, if an offer yeah. came, would we necessarily reject it? And I would say the answer would probably be no. I, I suspect that given the understandable interest in a player of his talent, Rory McLeod might be, um, there might be real interest in Rory McLeod this um, this window. There's several clubs that have now been up to watch him, and there's been sort of um, informal conversations, and uh, the clubs been made aware of the the clubs that are kind of watching him. So um, that's another one that could perhaps spark things, but. That's what January is all about. It's when does that merry-go-round start? And I can understand the frustration of United fans, as we discussed earlier with Dundee fans, that are saying, "Well, where are the where's the speculation about players coming in? Where's the players?" Mm. There's no point anyone talking about who might come in until there's a little bit of leeway in that wage bill because Dundee United brought in a lot of experienced, mm-hmm. expensive players uh, last summer, and there's not a bottomless pit of money. So any money, um, any work done on the budget this January. Needs to be, you know, needs to be cushioned. Incomings, outgoings, there needs to be a bit of juggling, and I would expect there to be a little bit of wheeling and dealing in January. But it's all hypothetical until people actually go out, until money's yeah. actually on the table. So um, it will be, I think, a busy January ultimately. But um, something, as always, like something has to happen to kick it into gear, yeah. and we're just waiting for whatever that may be to happen. Hell, it could be Harry Sutter. I mean that's the other Could thing we're be, talking about. You know, we're talking yeah. about you know we're talking about things that are happening up here. 
I mean, if <laughs> Leicester could drop thirty million on Harry Suter, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everything has changed for Dundee United. Well, they, they can't defend corners, can they? So I mean, yeah. that's the boy to buy, isn't it? So you know, <laughs> the it's, big lad who heads everything away. That, so that's what we mean about January and just football in general. There's so much uncertainty, and it's hard to say definitively who stays, who goes, where money might come from. Because one, you know, just the the, the, the odd things can happen, and it just changes everything. And I think yeah. keeping an eye on that Harry Souter situation is mm. definitely one of those and definitely something that people at United are doing big yeah. style. Well, Sam, speaking to, obviously my job is covering Dundee, speaking to Gary Bowyer over the last couple of weeks about transfers and he gets frustrated getting asked constantly about what's going on. But talking about tra- targets they may have in the middle of December that looking to make an offer for when the window opens, suddenly that changes because there's yep. so many games down south I'm talking about players might be looking at down in England. There's so many games, players get injured, players get ill. Suddenly the guy who wasn't getting a game is getting a game and he's scoring goals Mm. and the team doesn't want to let him go and then your plans just have to change immediately. So I think that goes for every single club. Um, And also if you have to get players out to get players in and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully by the time we're recording again next week, we may have a sign-in to talk about on either side of the street, but... Maybe not holding my breath too much. Uh, it might be one of these uh, last day dashes, but we'll wait and see. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.